Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Is off track with Hinch and Ross. I, I'm pretty sure, like, if they don't just name this new movie Driven Two, then they've that they've missed be, it. That would be so funny if they if it was just a Driven remake, or if I like mean, Joe Tanto makes it an basically appearance. is. Oh, dude, Joe Tanto shows up, or Jimmy Bly in the background, even like even if Jimmy just, Bly is like a like an F2 driver that you like just amazing. hear one mention of, it'd be yeah. so cool. All He's right. like sixty. Um, <laughs> can we talk about Driven for a little bit here? Because I'd rather I feel not, like but. there's such divided loyalties where everybody wants to hate on it because it's such a piece of shit, and it is so bad. But then, like, I feel like we all also kind of love it. No, no. So there are definitely movies that are I terrible, but you love them because they're terrible. And like, that's what makes them charming. Driven's not it's like in that it's it's bad. It's it's almost like it's not bad enough to go into that category, even though it's terrible. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't, I, I know what you're saying, but I don't, uh, I don't subscribe. I have I'll, you, and I'm sure you guys have, but hearing Brian Herta rant about how much he hates Driven is an experience. Yeah. 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 I, I'm going to watch that tonight. I don't know that I hate it, but it's, it is very bad. Like I've, I'm, I've seen it three times and that's two times too many. <laughs> yeah so like like i don't know uh yeah i'm not i'm not a fan i will never watch it again but i certainly know all of the scenes and what happened and i love to bring them up because you like to make fun of the movie because it is so so all right so anyways. driven is obviously the pinnacle of racing movies the best one ever when it comes right. to racing movies that take place specifically in america so not doing ford versus ferrari rush any of those are we doing Days of Thunder or Talladega Nights is number one? Days of Thunder is awesome. Days man. of Thunder. Yeah. No Talladega Nights, though? I mean, yes. Yeah, no. also funny, but it's not the same kind of movie. No. Days of Thunder is a great movie. Uh, I agree. I think, I think Talladega Nights is ahead for me. Really? It's so funny. Yeah, but it's not <laughs> it's, funny because of anything really to do with racing. It's the, the funniest scene in that movie is when they're saying grace for all the Taco Bell. I'm going to come at you like a spider, spider monkey. monkey. Like that's the funniest part of the whole movie. Sweet little six cars. pound, eight ounce mm-hmm. baby Jesus. Exactly. Like, come on. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd like to thank Gatorade and the smoking hot wife. Right. Right. Oh yeah. No, that's, that is, that is a great scene. You're right. Um, mm. <laughs> or like Sorry, driving with the minutes. cougar. <laughs> with the, with the key, with the key of, 
Colombian Bam Bam under the curtain. Right. Right. Ah, so yeah. what were you late? James James sent I, I Tim late. and I a, a text saying that uh sorry I'm running a few late. I'm rebuilding something to which I'm confused. <laughs> Because I don't know of your ability to a build anything, let alone fix something that is broken. Re- building it rebuild. Again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Fair. So, uh, because I'm such a dedicated podcaster, and because due to Becky's new work schedule, I'm spending so much time back up in Canada. I brought like my full setup up to Canada with I me, with the microphone, and the stand, and all that. It. Right. I didn't want to do like four months worth of iPhone recordings because I care about our fans. I care about our listeners. Do we so really, that inter- I, but, how'd that interview go that you were supposed to do last weekend? That was extenuating circumstances. Mm, so interesting. the interesting. sorry guys, there's not an interview this week and it's my fault. And that's <laughs> fine. But so I left from Canada to go to uh where did we just go? Iowa. And I wasn't going to carry this to Iowa. I was like, I've got more. I got another set at the house because we had a couple sets from when we all used to be in the same room. And um, and so I, I came down at, you know, two minutes before we were supposed to record and I realized that none of this stuff was here. And I had to run up to the garage, dig through that Pelican case of all of our old cables and stuff that we had from when we first started this, find all the necessary components and reassemble them. So no, it wasn't a challenging build, Alex, but technically this was not assembled as of like five minutes ago. No, you're right. You know, plugging in a wire to a microphone is... I had to screw oh, the the the, the rod into the Tim? base, oh, and then yeah. I had to screw whatever this thing's called into that. Then mm-hmm. I had to screw the microphone into the whatever this thing's called. Mm-hmm. This is complicated. It was right. basically a Lego set. To that be fair, cool. James is essentially Dr. Grant from Jurassic Park, just complete inability yeah. to do anything computer. Like just That's you're true. you're one of the least technically literate people I know, which is hilarious to me because you drive a rocket ship. Like the yeah. race cars so, have so much technology and you just don't understand any of it. You know what? Let's talk about that because first of all, I love tech. I'm a huge nerd. And um, uh, I, I was actually just driving uh, a race car yesterday. I was testing a, a GTD Porsche um, at the Indy road course track. And let me tell you, Alex will know this because he's been driving prototypes more recently than I have. Those cars have so much more technology than an Indy car. It's ridiculous. Wait, you were driving like, a race car yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I was testing at the speed at the speedway yesterday. Cool. And uh yes, the lovely the lovely people at Kelly Moss Racing let me go pound around in a Porsche for a little bit, which was a lot of fun. Um and between like two different types of traction control, mm. ABS, mm. all the like the the car doesn't even have a clutch. I got it, it's it's tough to explain how this car works. I got an eighty page manual before the test that I started reading through, and I'm like, this isn't a race car anymore. Like this isn't a car anymore. This is like some weird like computerized machine that happens to go faster on a track. It is crazy how when you look at an Indy car, it is fundamentally so technologically unadvanced. That is intentional. We don't want traction control. We don't want ABS. Mm-hmm. That's not, no, I'm, I'm not on an IndyCar. IndyCars are awesome. But it's just, it's so funny how in a different type of, like basically non-spec racing where development's allowed to happen, where it has gone. And it's it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny how much stuff dude, you can play with. Dude, when I first, you know, started driving the Acura, like 
I think I showed you, there was an entire computer software program that was built as like a test for making sure you knew how to do everything that you needed to know how to do. So it asked you questions and there was a steering wheel that was virtual that you twisted and pushed buttons and knobs and everything to like solve the problem. Like it's it's crazy what they do. Yeah. I I do remember that. And that was wild. So, so yeah. So, um, it is, I, I'm, I'm learning, Tim. I'm learning. I am old, but I'm learning tech. I had to learn some tech stuff for the test and learn how to do stuff. And uh, I feel like I'm getting slowly better at it. So, Well, you're getting slowly better at it. Your internet is still because you just froze like yeah, that's 17 weird. times. It's, it was so good. It's been so good, but yesterday it was acting out too. I don't know mm. what's going on. They throttled um, you back. The guy who was a new customer, and they were like, "Ha ha, kidding!" Yeah, here's your here's your three months of good internet sucked mm-hmm. in. Uh, okay, so we're gonna talk about Iowa because we had Iowa this weekend. But I want to just touch on one thing, Formula One related first, because I don't want to forget. So yes, there was a race this weekend. No, there's no point talking about it. Max won by a mile, uh, although. I'll give him this. He broke records. Uh, 12 consecutive race wins for uh, Red Bull as a team, which is a record. What's funny about that, though, is George Russell won that one race at Brazil last year. And if it wasn't for that, I think they would have won every race within the last 12 months as a team, which is pretty bananas. Um, but anyway, George Russell, your, your guy, your boy. Mm-hmm. I had a friend of mine uh, text me the other day and he was like, I got something to tell you. I'm like, okay. And he goes, my wife and I, we watched a lot of F1 and I'm a big George Russell fan. And she does not like George Russell. She doesn't get it. And we fight about it all the time. And he was like, then I started listening to your guys' podcast. And especially when Rossi started going off on him, then I started watching the races and like listening to what you guys were saying about it. And he's like, now I can't stand him. I can't stand him. I don't know why. I just can't stand him. And you guys did that. I, so you are literally turning I mean, not us. And- Alex did that. <laughs> like, I, I don't have an opinion on George Russell. <laughs> my, I just, my strong opinion on George Russell is about his radio etiquette post passes. But yes, he was like, yeah, no, I get it now. I see. I don't know what it is I see, but I see what you what Alex sees, and now I don't like him, and I and I'm, and I'm annoyed. I still go, Alex. Yeah, dude, spreading, be better. Spreading your hate one person at a time. That's what this, very, that's what podcasts are all about. You know, it's what it's misery for. loves company, and Listen, uh, that's what we're that's what we're here for. Listen, all right. Well, I don't we, like George Russell. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Cut. Were you? <laughs> <laughs> you want me to just you know i'm gonna leave it but i'm gonna just, just bleep, bleep it. all the names yeah. <laughs> um so yeah i mean hey podcasting is about having an opinion it's about getting people in a community all together on a on a common opinion so i'm glad that we're doing our jobs right i'm glad mm-hmm. that we are um giving some people something to believe in if you will so iowa I feel yes. like Tim owes James some tequila. Yeah. I feel like you got to go in halves Yay. on me with that one. <laughs> <laughs> you think he was trying to not be on the podium? 
I just, it, it, did you think about being better? I don't know. You know, <laughs> <laughs> had it crossed your mind to try it, a little harder? Honestly, cr- being better crossed my mind. The ability to be better was not really there. I'm just saying, uh, I've been on strike for a while, James. This is going to be a, a small bottle of tequila. <laughs> I'd rather a small bottle of good tequila than a normal sized bottle of like right. really bottom shelf stuff. So, got it. Got it. And so, I'll let you have some with me. I feel like, although my prediction of how my weekend was going to go, our prediction of how the general weekend was going to go was dead nuts. Yeah. yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. So Nailed I guess it. we just start in qualifying. Um, willpower seemingly Again. has this ability at Iowa, and it's very strange because as a Chevy team, um, I can't really go into detail about what he does, but what he does in order to get pull, like when you look at data shares and everything, is incredibly weird. Um, but it works. It works very well, and he's very successful at it. And was that so? I I assume that wasn't like something that he did in a quali sim in practice that you saw before qualifying. No, no, we saw, we saw a lot. No, no, we saw, oh, last, saw last year, year qualifying, right? and we were like, Where man, he was that's also a fluke. double pull. Yeah, that's a fluke. And then he went and did it again. And it's like, well, it's not a fluke. And and just like how... <laughs> Some people how, win the lottery twice, whatever. Right. Just how no one can seem to figure out how on earth to beat Joseph at Iowa, ultimately in the race. I was talking to Joseph before race one, and he is flabbergasted on how to beat Will Power at Iowa in qualifying. Like, he's like, I might as well be five miles an hour off. I can't figure it out. I don't get it. I don't understand. So it is... It is pretty cool to um, see because I don't know how one figures out what he did, but he did, and it, it's badass. And then, yes, the the weekend was a, just a Joseph show. So, had had his damper not failed last year, do you realize he would have won seven straight oval races? Yes. So essentially, he did win seven straight oval races. Like, let's just call it correct. As it is. Which the only wow. driver that's done that in history is Al, or sorry, um, AJ. Wow. Um, so okay, back so when cars can, were so different that like, yes, it's impressive, but yeah. hard to really say it's all the drivers. Correct. Right. Correct. Um, I can't wait to get offline here and talk about what Will did because I'm very curious now. Um, well, we can pause for a second. Building a stronger financial foundation? Good plan. Northwestern Mutual's Guide to Good Financial Planning can help you balance spending and saving, set goals, and start creating the life you want to be living. You'll learn how the tools in your financial plan reinforce each other to help you minimize taxes and offset potential risks. Grow your confidence by strengthening your finances today at northwesternmutual.com slash good plan. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. I want the world to know that we did just pause so that Alex could explain to me what Will was doing. And I am also flabbergasted by this. This is this is what, that's the wildest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Anyway, moving on. So, um, so qualifying was park, park Fermi. Park so you can't touch the firm. car. Park yeah. Super I mean, hard. <clears throat> which, you know, makes sense considering on the schedule, there was five hours between, you know, qualifying <laughs> the race, but you know, whatever. Um, at least we had to get there at five 30 in the morning or the teams did for that. So, you know, win some and then have a race most. that day. Yeah. So, uh, so, okay. So you're not a fan of park Fermi rules. Got it. Got it. Uh, no, how I'm, much I'm, would I'm, you t- I'm totally, I'm totally a fan of park Fermi rules. If it is actually, here's what park Fermi rules are designed for, for the benefit of the mechanics, the benefit of the mechanics. So that, because the engineers are always going to have, if they don't have restrictions put on them, if there's a two hour time window, it is going to be a mad dash scramble in the heat with two races to like change a bunch of stuff to go from an optimized qualifying car to an optimized race car. And then these guys have to be in fire suits on pit lane. They didn't get lunch. They're hot. They're doing pit stops. There's cars on pit lane, all this stuff. I get that. I am on board with park for me in that situation that was born out of COVID that was born out of, we're trying to get into a destination out of a destination as fast as possible. Totally understand. No problem. I don't understand it when we have a race at two o'clock and we're qualifying at 9 a.m. Like even the mechanics were like, we we want to do something. What are we supposed to do? Leave the track and go play volleyball? Like yeah, they just, just sit around. Hours. They can do absolutely nothing. And they had to wake up at 445 in the morning to commute in from Des Moines. And then they're yeah. there all day. And then they have to like un like tear down a race car from race one and build a race car for race two. So their day on Saturday is effed from just a sleep work schedule standpoint. And there was yeah. four hours of wasted time. Like it just doesn't, I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways. I'm with you. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Um, so then the question becomes, obviously the race is more important. If anything, it's probably the least important track for qualifying in terms for of sure. like track position sense without a doubt so how much and, and and i would also i would also go on a limb to say it's also probably the biggest maybe like outside of indy the biggest like physical difference in setup from a qualifying setup to a race setup compared to i guess comparing to a texas and a and a gateway the no, amount of things texas you is actually texas is way more Texas is the you biggest. Think so? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so, so how much did, how yeah. much do you have to, how much did you personally compromise your qualifying ideal qualifying setup for the sake of what you need in the race? 
Oh, completely. Like that was that was a hundred percent. And and honestly, that's something that that team has historically done there um, to, to varying degrees. But certainly, as you know, years go on and that surface is gets bumpier and lower and lower and lower grip. Like there's something to be said for you know a race car that you know looks after tires, right? Isn't necessarily going to be a car that's fast over two laps. Like that's just the reality of it. And because it is so easy in theory to pass at Iowa. Um, and because tire deck does play such a huge role, like you're, you're the most willing to sacrifice your qualifying at Iowa versus anywhere else without a doubt. So that was kind of our plan um, going in. I think we maybe were a little bit too far on the sacrifice, the qualifying car for the race car. Um, because Track position at Iowa, here's where it does matter. You don't want to go a lap down. You don't want to be exposed right. to the leader catching you. So starting, started race one in 20th, like that was That's, too far yeah. back. Like we would have, we would yeah. have loved to have been kind of 12th to 10. 15th. That was, yeah. that was our idea of compromising, you know, the car. And we probably overshot that a bit and ended up starting 20th and 18th. Yeah, because so we'll get, we'll get nerdy and techie for a sec to explain kind of where that comes from right so in iowa because the tire deg is so high your speeds go down so much that when your speeds are down in the corners your ride heights pop up right uh the faster you go the more compression in the banking the lower the ride heights so in qualifying you're going very fast which means the car compresses quite a bit you have to run the car a bit higher statically when you're not moving right you set it up a bit higher in the race you're not going as fast on full fuel. And then you really sort of set the car up for, you know, not necessarily the first 10 laps of a stint. You want to set it up for more of the last 20, 30 laps of a stint. So your right height should be a bit lower because you're going slower. So you've got those lower right heights, but going as fast as you can in qualifying usually means a lot of bottoming and a really just uncomfortable ride, right? I can neither confirm nor deny that's what we do for qualifying to the race. <laughs> okay, so yes, from a, from, from a theoretical from a theoretical standpoint, uh, physics James, that's would what argue I, that's, that's what the, I do. That's what right. I, that's right. normally yeah. your mo there. Yeah. Um. So okay. So race one, um, Joseph started third. I think. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're second. Because yeah, so Penske one two three say, by a mile. It was fun. It was fun on both the starts, just watching the people who were able to make the high line work before all the marbles set in there. Dude, like, Alex, you passed what? a ton on the start. Uh, who else was doing? Yeah, your moves on the your start? Sunday start was crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hunter Ray though, Hunter Ray legitimately was in lane four. Yeah, and <laughs> it was awesome. Like yeah. old man, still got it. I wish there was a way, like, not like a competition yellow, but just I wish they did more to clean the marbles off when there were yellows. Because there were some people that were still using the 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 high line on some of the restarts, but just yeah. not as much as the start of both of those races, no, I mean, which was just so much fun to watch. Yeah. I know, I know you can't, but just from like the, the yellows are long enough, but we will talk about yellows later. <laughs> yeah, the starts uh, well, were fun. Uh, in race one. Right. So, yeah. So, Joseph started third. I think he was leading by, like, lap 100 or 115 or something. Um, which, you know, from third, yeah, that it actually took him a minute. It took him a minute. Uh, but he got there. And once he got there, he was pretty uncontested. We, I think we set a record for the furthest into the race before the first caution came. 
and uh, like lap 154 or something like that. And it's funny, I was talking to Mike Hull about that. And his theory is when we had night races, we had more cautions because at night, track's cooler, air's cooler, track has more grip, cars feel better, guys take more risks because they midfield cars feel more comfortable than they really are. And guys take more risks because they think they've got more grip. It goes south and there's more accidents in the heat of the day after lap 10, everyone's just, except Joseph is just hanging on for dear life that you're not risking anything. Like you're picking up pieces when other people are falling off is more how the passes are happening, which is an interesting theory. So we made it to lap 154. I I agree with that completely. And at this current rate, with average speeds being slower than Indy lights, it's going to just continue <laughs> that way. It's that's a terrifying stat that the average speed of race one was lower than the average speed of the lights race. That's how much we were digging, uh, which is crazy. But so not, but not good. Like there's a, there's a line here and, and right. we can, and it, we can talk about this later if you want to keep going on about the race, but like I'm all for the track being bumpy you know, you don't want it to be smooth and high grip because then everyone will just be painting a white line. It'll be a terrible race. But like, Correct. whether it's a Firestone thing or a downforce thing or something, like it needs to, there needs to be an adjustment for next year because it's just getting stupid. Like you're gearing it, it, the car to almost like in some instances use second gear. Like it's just, yeah. Like you, wow. you didn't, but you have it in there as like a maybe. You're thinking about it. And your checkup gear is now second. <laughs> that's insane um because i i uh you want like you want deg the deg makes it good but it can't be too much and and the thing like i remember like all the interviews that we had after the race with the exception of joseph everybody looked considerably just more exhausted and it wasn't like heat exhaustion necessarily or physicality it was just everyone just looked mentally like like Pato could barely string a sentence together in in the sense of like, he was just so like, I can't believe I didn't crash. Like I was crashing for 248 laps. And I just, I just, I just want out. Like, I just don't want to be here. He just looked like he didn't want to be there anymore. And that's like one of the best cars out there. That's not, that's not a Penske. And it's, it's, it definitely looked way more challenging this year in that respect. Yeah. I it's hard for me to say because I took such an upgrade in car that like it was actually right. the best and easiest Iowa I've ever had. And right. it was hilarious to me at times in race one, just seeing Andretti cars and being like, I'm so sorry. Like I know what you're going through, but bye. <laughs> okay, um, okay, bye. Yeah. Uh yeah. So for me, like it, race one was actually the easiest Iowa I've ever had, just because like Again, the car was, from what I've been used to, like a strong step better. But I think it was clear and obvious that certainly from at least Pato's standpoint, like he definitely felt that the team as a whole took a step down in competitiveness um, from what they had. So I, I think I think we are at the limit. My concern is like, it's not a real concern, but you can't help but think like Joseph's so good there it's not in Penske's best interest to change anything <laughs> about that place. No, it's right? not. Like, or, or make it funny how the only double header of the season comes at a track where they 
tend to qualify one, two, three and sweep the podium. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think it needs to be changed, but like the likelihood that it gets changed is probably low. And you know what? That's fine. You know, Joseph needs more wins. I feel bad for him. You know, he has yeah, a yeah, newborn break and all this. Like, I mean, he looks a dry spell. Yeah. You know, unhappy tough. life at home. Right. You know, right. Just. It's good to see Although someone finally break that kid's way. <laughs> <laughs> so, so on that, he note, couldn't even afford a ticket to the 500. He had to sneak in through the fence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he qualifies third in race one, takes the lead at lap 100 or 115 or something like that, somewhere in there, and then just you know wins. He got on the radio at one point. I don't know if you heard this, Alex. He got on the radio just at one chilling. point. He goes, "Hey guys, I'm just chilling." Let me know if I'm chilling too much. That's a quote. And he was like, he was like four or five seconds in front. And so he's like, basically, you know, if Scott starts catching up, you know, let me know. And I'll just put the hammer down and actually try. Then on Sunday, he. Let's let's talk about Saturday after the race where he was very upset about about cars. But like. They weren't lapped yet. I would know. That's not the point. I was texting James. I was like, yeah, it would get annoying if legitimately 26 other cars were constantly in your way. (laughs) Because that is reality. (laughs) But the thing, I've never seen that complaint, though, where it's like, it's not, hey, this car's already a lap down. Like, I know you can technically fight because I'm not the leader, but come on, be polite. He was the leader. He was he was complaining about cars not letting him put them a lap down. <laughs> like, of right. course they're going to fight to stay on the lead lap. Yeah, I don't know. It from was, a, from uh, the casual a, viewer's point as of view, we all, as we all know, it's a complete losing battle. Like, it's the most demoralizing thing ever at Iowa specifically. When Spotter comes on the radio and is like, Joseph's a straight, like, a straight behind. He's the next car. Yeah. And you're like, shoot. And then a lap and a half later, Joseph's on your gearbox. It's like, what the f- man? <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> 10 laps later, hey, hey, Joseph's coming back up on you. Uh, anything you can do in there to cool. not go two laps down? Great. Wasn't there awesome. one year where he put the whole field down? Yes. He was in first. And he, yeah. yeah. He lapsed. Yeah. He lapsed, he lapsed, he lapsed second. He lapsed second. Wow. It, it didn't end the race that way. It was, it was right before or 17, everybody started going yes. in. But I remember that, where he was literally the only car on the lead lap. That <laughs> almost did yeah. in Texas this year. Maybe next year we just start Joseph two laps after everyone else. He'll still I win. mean, he'll still <laughs> I'm win. I'm just saying, yeah, so we make, make a competitive better race. Yeah. yeah. I make a better race. <laughs> like, um, but so then on on Sunday, he started eighth or seventh. 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 It's like, okay. It took him half the race to get up to first on race one from third. Uh, Lap 32, he was just like running third behind his two teammates in the same car. And he was like, that's enough. And in one corner, he just passed both and romped off into the distance. So how much do you think that is because race two was not Park Ferme and they could make adjustments to the car and it wasn't running a qual setup so he could do it faster than, than he could the day It should have made everybody not- else better. You had a whole race-long yeah. test session and then you had a full day to analyze the information and make a new change. They even got a warm-up. Like, we mm. normally don't get warm-ups on those doubleheaders. Mm. There's a full 10, I say full, it's a 10-minute session, but legitimate warm-up compared well, to what Iowa, it's like 20 laps yeah <laughs> right and so like people it's more than that it's like 30 so yeah. people should have been closer in theory and arguably he was even better so i guess i don't know i don't know what the answer is it's so, wild 
I, I was having kind of a debrief earlier this morning and it's like, I, I don't want to take anything away. You can't take anything away from Joseph. Like people often like, well, no. the car and it's like, yes, Penske was dominant this year Very for good. sure. But, but he what, was the best Penske. <laughs> no, but what he does even compared to teammates, it's like, what sort of, what sort of deal does he have with the seven eighths of concrete that exists there? Like what, what did he trade? for his ability at that place because it's it, 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 I don't think it's comparable to anything that we've seen in motorsport. Um, I mean like Scott Dixon at mid Ohio, you know, is he, he so Joseph's won seven, yeah. six or seven now. I for, I've lost count. I don't, I forget okay. power and polls. No, but, but like that's, know, it, that's but in like, varying it, places, but yeah, Scott Dixon at mid Ohio. Fine. Right, but because like you got to think, he's doing double headers here, right? So like you're getting on one weekend, you've got a good car, you've got a yeah. way better shot. We're like going back to a track the next year. That's true. But you're right; it's incredibly rare. It is incredibly rare, um, but it does happen. Um, and I mean, even even like even like you know, Andretti at Long Beach is kind of inevitable, right? But it's different drivers. You know, it, it was me, Colton, now Kyle. Like it's that team as a whole has got it locked. Like they are just the dominant team at that particular track. But like, you'd like to think at one point, Will would just have a better day than Joseph. At yeah. Iowa. Yeah. It, Cause it's not just like a, who got that one last change, right? Right. right. You know, like he's so far above everybody else. Like it's, crazy yeah i mean yeah. i beat him in a straight up fight in 18 but like this you know i mean you know. did you didn't i fuel strategy over here is getting all lippy huh <laughs> <laughs> um the next the next the next one that is uh a little bit weird is stingray rob's tire Dude. like i yeah, almost what the hell smoked that sucker you sure did. And, the, and you James, sure. you you called it out on the broadcast. Like the nut fell off. They saw it. They knew the tire wasn't on. Tim, I'm I'm going to tell you this. I I nearly had to. This is going to sound so petty and bitchy and stupid, but like I I take the safety stuff pretty seriously and pretty personally. Why? And <laughs> <laughs> I read a book about it once. And when I saw that whole the combination of things that happened. I was so incensed that I nearly had to take my headset off and put it down for fear of saying something that would get me like fired because it was so, well, this is our podcast. So say it now. Here we go. <laughs> and, and I, and I said this on air. I'm like, it was gross negligence on the part of the team to watch the car drive off and having seen the wheel nut go like Alex, I don't know if you've watched, I mean, you've watched the replay. The, yeah. the inside rear tire changer, it wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh, I'm not sure I got it on all the way, a la Graham at Indy, right? right? It was, no, no, there's no nut on it. And you see the nut pulling away. They send him, they stop him, they send him again, knowing that it's no longer attached by a wheel nut. Like, under what circumstances is that the right move? So the disqualification was... I think too light. I, I would have loved to have seen a post-race penalty of some gross monetary fine and like another race ban or something. 
because then that leads to a tire on the track, which was the second thing that made me mad. The tire was on the track for like five seconds before the caution. Yeah, came before out. the yellow came out. I, I, and I don't understand that. That part I don't understand. Like I get that race control is probably not staring at the broadcast, but like we had it all happening live. And I find it hard to believe that they didn't also see the same thing at the same time. It was a weird delay in the caution coming out versus tire on the racetrack that like three or four cars very nearly hit. So yes. And that kudos where kudos are due. Uh, way, uh, way to dodge it, Alex. Yeah. It was very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> it was one uh, of those, it was one of those things where, um, like, you know how it happens, James, like it happens in slow motion. So yeah, I was behind Connor at this point and I saw, I was like, okay, there's a tire on the track, but you don't really register that as like, <laughs> reality and also right. there was no yellow right so you're still racing and then i saw that connor like went hard left hand down who also did a great job to avoid it because what yep. people don't understand is i saw some things on the internet from connor's on board and it's like oh he didn't even react that much and i'm like guys you can't do a whole lot of things on an oval loaded up in the corner like that's not that's not possible so yeah. it's small inputs so I saw him move. Great job. And then like it was there and it was one of those decisions again where it was like, I either hit this thing kind of like Texas, what I had in 2019. I either hit this object or in that case, go on the apron or in this case, go up into the marbles. Right. And it was just like, I obviously don't want to hit it, but I'm probably going to crash right now. So here we go. And yeah, fortunately, I mean, you're going to take out somebody else's car. Like, fortunately, I didn't. Um, but it was just like, man, how did we, how did we get to this point? Because still I was gathering it up and there was still no yellow. And I was like, why? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> it's like Mario Kart bananas everywhere. <laughs> no, it's a green shell. It's just bouncing around with yeah. no rhyme or ah. reason, you know, very bad uh, pineapple. And then I saw something after the race. Um, I think Nathan Brown tweeted something about Peterson got parked for lack of competitive speed. But I, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. that was in the broadcast. I just saw that after the fact. So that I don't, I don't know how that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they, I, they, I, they, we've, we've weekend, seen that they, happen before, right? Where, yeah, yeah, what is the limit of how slow you have to be going compared to the the cars in the lead lap to be parked, or is it just like a totally subjective call? I think it's a bit subjective, and especially because. Um, the the speed varies so much from the start of a stint to the end of a stint, so you've got to be a little bit wary of the relative speed versus the rest of the cars on track. Whatever. I mean, there's uh, an argument to be made for uh, you know, 25 of the 28 cars were not at a competitive speed. Well, exactly right, exactly right, <laughs> right. Like they were going slower than any lights cars at the end. You could argue they were all going too slow. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit subjective. Uh, but those guys had a rough weekend. They they failed tech. They didn't get to qualify. They just didn't just didn't have a great weekend. I mean, um, it's funny because we we published how we had like 1,500 on track passes or whatever, and I think that half of those were the field passing Benjamin. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Poor kid. Dude, it's the worst when you've got a, like a bad car on an oval and you're just trying to hang on and get everyone just like. And we're just driving. Around. It's literally like um, in in Tim's Talladega favorite movie, Nights. Talladega Nights. Like, are, are those the car? other cars? Are those the other cars? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Exactly. Well, you got the uh, week off. 
Hold on. I mean, one one final thing on oh, that. Sorry. One final thing on that. Um, Jack Harvey's penalty. Yeah. So Jack Harvey got a penalty in Iowa, starting penalty for an avoidable contact incident in Toronto. Turn one. Yeah, I was there. You were there. It affected your race somewhat. Um, somewhat. What did you think about that call? I went a lap down because of it. it, it was being, somewhat. Oh, I was being sorry. facetious. Sorry. Um, I thought the penalty was strange only because, yes, I, I place blame on him, but it wasn't like a egregious error of sorts. Um, was it locked up out of control coming right. from it was, 10 car lengths right. back? It's, it's very slippery down there. Like, it's tough. Was his fault. Didn't know they were three wide. Wasn't, again, wasn't egregious. Also not egregious, but like arguably more blatant. A week and a half prior was Marcus Erickson completely dumping Felix in turn six at mid-Ohio. And after he was like 40 laps down, got a stop and go penalty in the race, but nothing later on. So that's okay, where I, that, that I can ex- that I that I can explain actually. Okay. Okay. Cool. So we we looked into that one. Okay. Um. So Marcus, right? So okay. The the way the penalties are applied, if the car that is given the penalty is not continuing in the race, it gets pushed to the following event. Mm. Okay. And so continue in Toronto. I take it. I don't know. Correct. Okay. So yeah. So. Jack did not continue in Toronto, so that's why it got pushed to Iowa. Marcus, his car was damaged. Uh, uh, like the, um, the majority of the reason they fixed it and put it back out on track so was so that he could serve his penalty and didn't get a penalty the next race. But so, but like, is there a? But like, also that should be something that's looked at because that wasn't a penalty to Marcus. Marcus essentially got away with that one. Yes, he was correct. out of his own race, but there was no repercussions from it. Correct. So it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, how do you want to, how do you want to do it? Right. Does every yeah. penalty then move on to the next race? Like, is that the right way to, like, it's, it's a slippery slope. This one was kind of a weird loophole that they yeah. found good on them. Yeah. Good on Ganassi yeah, for knowing the rule and like yeah. making no the get it get done. Yeah. But I'm with you. I think, I think turn one at Toronto was a racing incident and yeah, fine. You could put maybe a little more blame on the car on the inside, but there's an argument you can make an argument for all three cars having some responsibility in that in that incident and so that's mm-hmm. why i don't think it's fair to have a penalty for one guy but also but, i don't even i can't even think of the time that there was a next event penalty that wasn't an engine change like i can't i might be wrong but i don't remember one that's come out from a yeah, avoidable I, contact. I don't have like, one of, I, yeah shoot i don't like, want the top of my head I mean, Joseph and Roma at Nashville, like it's yeah, well, yes, like, it, it wasn't necessarily Joseph's fault, but it definitely ended Roma's day. And you would say the majority of the responsibility was probably on Joseph. Okay. Dude, you and Felix in Toronto. You and Felix uh, in Toronto. Peter, like, Pato and Scott in Long Beach. Like, how is Jack getting an avoidable contact penalty for the turn one lap one of the race? When Pato just dive bombs Scott at a corner nobody ever passes on and fires him into the tires and he just keeps on going, like it's that again. It, I don't know. It's bizarre. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. But mm. well, anyway, we, we uh, never do. 
Well, guys, uh, that's Iowa. Enjoy your weekend off, whatever it is you're up to. Um, and we will chat the Music City Grand Prix, I think that's what it's called, in Nashville next week, where we're also going to have an interview, I promise. <laughs> this has been Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Off Track is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. We're at Ask Off Track on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow us on Twitter individually, I'm at Hinchtown. He's Alexander Rossi. And if you want to follow Tim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel for exclusive video content. Off Track is produced by Tim Durham, and by that we mean Tim. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.